Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Web3 Business Podcast, helping you navigate the future of business. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Web3 Business Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for innovative thinkers who want to know what works in the world of Web3. Today, I'm going to be joined by Farouk. And we're going to talk about decentralized media for creators. He's the founder of Rug Radio. If you want to understand media, creators, and how to build a business on the back of this entire thing called Web3, I think you're going to find today's interview absolutely fascinating. By the way, I'm at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you don't miss any of our future content. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Farouk. Helping you to simplify your Web3 journey. Here is this week's expert guide. Okay, today I am very excited to be joined by Farouk. If you don't know who Farouk is, you got to know who this guy is. He's the founder of Rug Radio, a media company focused on crypto and NFTs. He's host of GM Web3, a daily news show covering Web3, crypto, and NFTs. His NFT projects include Rug Radio Genesis NFT and Rug Radio Faces of Web3 by Corey Van Lu, which I am a holder. Farouk, awesome to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me. Feeling absolutely fantastic, actually. Awesome. Well, today, Farouk and I are going to explore decentralized media, what the heck it is, and what it really means for creators. But before we go there, I would love to hear your story. How did you get into NFTs and how did you get into Web3? Start wherever you want to start. Yeah, sure. I mean, I've been doing social media. I'm just 28 years old. I've been doing social media professionally for about 12, 13 years now. Been on social media my whole life, obviously, because Facebook came out when I was 12 years old, actually. So, you know, that's how it is, right? You know, I started off as just having like a boutique social media agency that I built myself from ground up through Instagram from like 2014 to 2020. 2020, so I'm really going fast forward into the Web3 side of things. But, you know, 2020, I found out about Clubhouse, immediately got addicted to it. Like we're peak pandemic in Montreal, Quebec. There's a curfew at 8 p.m. There's nothing else to do but to be on Clubhouse. And so three months later in February, I had already built quite an audience on Clubhouse because I've been spending 12 to 16 hours a day on it anyways. And I ended up in this uh, in this room called Physical Collectibles, Baseball Cards, Pokemon, and NFTs. And I'm like, what the hell is an NFT, right? It was my friend Buster, shout out to Buster, uh, who, uh, who was hosting this room. Next thing you know, like a celebrity comes up, like, and when a celebrity comes up in the room on Clubhouse, like used to pop to thousands of listeners, like thousands. It was Logan Paul, because everybody gets a notification. I go on there, my friend Buster brings me up because I was hosting with him. And I'm like, and all these like, out of nowhere, like a bunch of people show up in the room and all these like artists come up on there. And I'm like, and here I go. It's like midnight. 
I'm on Clubhouse and I'm asking all the stupid questions. This is why I have a model of there's no stupid questions now internally, right? And I was like, what's an NFT? What do you mean blockchain? How does it work? What crypto? Blah, blah, blah. Like all the questions, you, like the beginner level questions. And I remember at that point when these artists and founders and this early people, right? That then turned out to be Thank You X, Victor Fiwoshis, Victor Mascara, Tommy Kimmelman, who's at Manifold, Richard, the founder of Manifold. You know, back then you have all the founders of OpenSea, of whatever, like everyone was out there jamming. You know, I found out when NFT was that night and two days after, so that's February, February 18th, 2021. Two days after on February 21st, 2021, I bought my first NFT, Micah Johnson, Aku Genesis. And from there forward, I, I just, I haven't stopped for a single day. I've been hosting about NFTs, crypto and Web3 ever since without pause. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because so many people, including myself, were very active on Clubhouse. Like I got in there like in October, November of 2020. It was fun because I'm an extrovert. I love talking to people and like everybody was in there. I mean, it was crazy, right? And I was inviting a lot of fellow marketers into this community and we were having a blast and we knew it wouldn't last forever. But Clubhouse was definitely like a unique moment in history for so many people. Now, you obviously moved beyond Clubhouse. So tell us the rest of the story. You started doing stuff on Spaces, right? Like, tell us a little bit about that. When I found out about Clubhouse, I was automatically like enamored with like live social audio. I thought it was a great tool. Voice is the most powerful tool any human being has. I think you can agree with me here, Michael. Yes, yeah. And, you know, being able to create content from the comfort of your home, in your underwear, chilling, you know, on your couch in the pandemic when there's nothing else. And a lot of people don't have many people to talk to. Right. It was a very sad time as well. Right. I'm lucky I was living with my girlfriend, but, you know, I think it helped a lot of people in general. So being there, sharing, talking like and building community on there was incredible. And so for me, as a community builder who had been building that communities on different social platforms from Tumblr to Instagram to Twitter back then to early Facebook memes and pages. And I found myself on Clubhouse because I was around a bunch of people and then came NFTs, something that, you know, through blockchain technology that can allow community builders like myself to be empowered, but also to empower other people was very inspiring to me. And so that's why, honestly, when I found out about NFTs and all my stupid questions were answered by these incredible people, I stayed curious and I dropped everything I was doing, right? I dropped my social boutique social agency from Instagram. I never worked on it again since that day, ever. I literally left. And, you know, I pivoted because I just saw the power of it. And I think, you know, blockchain technology, as scary as it may sound to people, like, Look at how much I've done in like two years, I think, and starting from not necessarily understanding it, and but asking all the questions, I think anybody can understand it. It's just simply the natural digital continuation of the internet. Blockchain tech is just this web that lives on top of the internet that we can all build on. So whether it's decentralized media, which I'm sure we'll get into in a bit, uh, whether it's just art or collectibles, you know, or anything else, you know. What I'm curious about is, okay, so you get the bug on Clubhouse. You realize, okay, I'm good leading rooms inside a Clubhouse. So you decide I want to make a business out of this. So kind of tell us a little bit of like the journey right up until the present of what, how you went from the inspiration, asking all the questions to kind of where we are now, a little bit of that story. So from that point on, like, like I said, February 18th, 2021 is when I found out what an NFT was. Woke up the next day, I was in that clubhouse room from midnight to 4 a.m., Michael, asking all the questions. You get four hours straight of me asking questions, right? And the next thing you know, I started hosting all these rooms. So basically, I was on clubhouse from then on every single day of my life about NFTs, crypto. I created the first NFT club, even NFT club, like the at NFT club on the clubhouse was like, I started it. It was so funny. And so... Anyway, started doing this 
And then the summer, that summer, which was the NFT summer, right, of 2021, I think a lot of people are aware, but it's when NFTs did about $4 billion of volume in one month, I think in the month of August alone, right? And it was insane. It was peak craze, euphoria, crypto is ripping, ETH, Bitcoin, everything's like all-time highs. Insane time, right? And so around that time, uh, Twitter Spaces came about, right? And obviously, most of the CT crypto Twitter crowd being active on Discord and on Twitter, Clubhouse was an extra step. And, you know, you can't be anonymous on Clubhouse, at least at the time. So with spaces being there, like everything pivoted there. So I saw this early on. So I completely left Clubhouse. Again, hard pivot, right? Left uh, the Clubhouse platform. Never, I think, went back on again besides maybe two, three times since. Nothing against Clubhouse is because people were on Twitter, right? You got to go where the people are. You know that. And so I went on there and started hosting Twitter spaces every single day. So the same thing in Clubhouse, but on Twitter spaces, just with worse tech. Awful tech. To this date, it's still not great, by the way. Clubhouse is still miles away, but still, I go where people are and uh, where I can actually build something valuable. So here I am on Twitter Spaces. So from June 2021 to September, I'm on Spaces every single day. And I mean, like, religiously every single day. No, oh, I'm, let me go up on for like an hour. Like, it was like, I'd be on here, like hosting, just like this. None of this. None of the fancy schmancy, okay? Like, and just like this, hosting maybe one, two, three spaces a day. So between eight to 12 hours a day, right? And here we are, September 19th, 2021, right? I had been six, seven months doing this every day, 10 hours, 12 hours a day. Every, every moment I'm awake, all I think about is NFTs, all right? Like I, and it still is the case, right? And, or crypto or Web3 or building something. And, uh, well, now a little bit of golf, right? But, uh, but anyways, you know, I'm on a Twitter space, Michael, and I had a Discord called House of Farouk that I had created 10 days prior for my birthday for my community to like connect and interact with one another more and learn more about each other, right? It's like maybe a Nico chamber. And uh, and we're hosting a 10 hour long Twitter space, but we get rugged like 10 times. Being rugged means like the tech would crash. So I would open a room, talk to a thousand people, crash. An hour later, go again, crash. Go again, crash. But I'm relentless. So then I was like rugged and back, rugged and back. This is slang, right? In crypto. And then I go, wait, why don't I call this thing rug radio? Because it's radio right? It's audio, it's broadcasted live and it's cool, right? Rug, rate is a play on words. And then someone in my Discord hours later goes, it sucks I have to go to sleep right now because this conversation is amazing. Um, I have to go back to my $11 hour job tomorrow. So that's something clicks in my head. We're like eight hours into this Twitter space on a Saturday. It's crazy conversation about Web3, crypto, NFTs. September 21, it's euphoric. ETH is $4,000. Bitcoin's like 60K. We're you know, everything's amazing. We're changing the world, right? Like you feel that. And I go, wait, why can't we create something? So it's all this blockchain talk I'm hearing, all this DAO talk, all this decentralization talk, all this crypto talk I've been learning about for months now, every single day of my life. Why can't I build a media company, a media ecosystem of some sorts that can reward creators for creating, right? For being there. So myself and the 10 other people that are there for 10 hours a day, like we should be, get something out of that, right? Because the platforms don't give you anything. Clubhouse, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, doesn't matter if you're like Zuck or, or Musk or one of them better. None of them actually pay you right? <laughs> or give you equity. You don't own the thing, right? But you still bring a lot of value to it, right? And then the listener, what's the consumer become? Like in the age of TikTok and Reels and everything, it's just like, what, you go on social media, like you come out numbering out of it, right? Which is just is a fact. And look, I've been doing this for long enough that I understand that. But what if I can get some, something to the, to the consumer, to the participant for being part of the content, for participating within this content, Right. And from there on, like came the head of Rogue Radio on that Twitter space. I was like, who wants to be the head of tokenomics? Person comes up. She was an expert in tokenomics. Like, how can we build this? Like, do you think, because I don't know anything better. I'm in 
media kid, a social media kid. I'm not a crypto OG and I'm not acting like I am. And to this day, you'll never hear me act like I'm a crypto OG. I know my, my, how many years I spent there, but I spent 12 years on social media. So I know how to build a community. I know how to build a media company and a brand, right? And especially personal brands. I've done it for other people back then for eight years straight on Instagram. And so I, I bring all these people together and, a, and two months later, we would launch Rock Radio in December, 2021. Then officially in January 11th, 2022 is when we sold, you know, 19,000 NFTs for 0.1 ETH each. So it was around 2,100 ETH uh, sale of NFTs uh, that I put half of it directly in the rug DAO, save some for taxes, save some for six months of salaries and core team fees and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We can get into that whenever you want. It's all transparent and on chain, which is beautiful. And then, you know, ever since we've built uh, one of the largest media ecosystems in crypto and, and Web3, we have about 70 to 80 creators on the Rug Radio network. So it's really like a network, right? One from being me, a show, a single creator, like I'm creator 001, to being a network of some of the biggest creators in the entire NFT space. And now, you know, expanding big, broader to crypto and outside. We have Rug Radio China, Rug Radio France. We do events around the world. We've hosted thousands of shows across multiple platforms. We're on YouTube. Instagram, Spotify, like whatever, you name it, we're there. And uh, here we are. That's a quick TLDR to how, yeah, how fast it's grown in two years. But that's the last two years. Actually, Michael, yesterday I tweeted, we launched 18 months ago this month, right? A year and a half exactly. And 15 months out of those 18 months has been an NFT bear market. So we really like, you know, we've really been doing it. <laughs> well, and folks, Farouk is actually doing the work, as you mentioned. And it's a really awesome story to see what, the distance he's gone in the period of time that he's gone with the support that he has from the community that he's built. Farouk, there's going to be some people listening, creators especially, that are like, I don't know about Web3. What do you want to tell them as to why maybe they should pay attention to Web3? I think people should pay attention to Web3, whether they have time for it or not. Like, I understand a lot of people have jobs, first and foremost, and children and, you know, a lot of activities and occupations. But I think it's something to pay attention to. It uh, reminds me a lot of, I know a lot of people will say, generation prior to me would say, oh, remember when the email was born, the internet. I wasn't really part of that because I'm born 94, but for me, it was the rise of social media and social platforms. And it reminds me of in 2014 when I went on, went on Instagram early. I was early to Instagram and started a network of Instagram pages. And I was one of the earliest people to monetize Instagram pages and whatnot. But people would laugh at me and think that Instagram is just for, to post pictures of your food or your pets, right? Your dog. And I went on national television in Canada in 2016. I told that to people. I said, stop treating it as such. Use Instagram as like a window to your business. People window shop nowadays on here. They don't window shop there. To you, to the audience right now, it sounds like a duh moment for Oak, but in 2014, it wasn't. Like it was really not that. And people would laugh at that. And so fast forward to Web3, the point I'm making is that I'm seeing, I feel like that again. Where like I'm seeing this technology that I feel like I'm early to. Now, there's always going to be a lot of vaporware and things that will never be successful in any new emerging market. But there's something here, like I said, to me, the blockchain and its technology, if I wanted to say in layman's terms, is like just the natural digital continuation of the web and the interwebs and the internet as we know it. You don't need to understand how the internet works. I, don't, I still don't understand how I get to you, technically speaking, with you know, underwater cables and all that. I don't need to know that, right? But blockchain is just technology that allows us to power a lot of the things that we use currently. And Web3 is just a natural continuation of Web2. That's all it is. Web3 is just, you know, what comes after Web1, Web2, Web3, whatever. It's going to be a Web4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, whatever it is. But it's just, I think words have been used too much and too branded and they became scary or sometimes a connotation has become negative. But I think that if we look beyond words, it's just tech <laughs> that's advancing and that allows us to do more. Okay, let's briefly define what 
decentralized media is from your perspective, Farouk? What is what does that really mean, decentralized media? First, it starts by what decentralization is not. I think a lot of people think that decentralization is anarchy or in a way closer. I've, I've heard people say that decentralization, the idea of it is close to communism. <laughs> and so first, I want to say that it is not that, right? When it comes to decentralization, uh, power to people doesn't mean like, you know, that you tear it all apart and tear it all down. It just means that genuinely like you can decentralize the ideation process, the voting process, the, you know, the actual build, the, what you're building, right? And on a way, like accentuate the network effect between people and put the brains together. But then when it comes to media, a lot of the times we've grown up, at least my generation, I know I grew up that way where I've only lost more and more trust in media, but also what is media? Like a lot of people, I get my information maybe on social media, so on Twitter and whatnot, and sometimes, and not on TV for, for, for what it's worth, right? And I think it's up to the people to be able to have common sense to see, decipher which is right or wrong, but also which is real and is not. And then we can have tools for that. So I think that a lot of people lost a lot of trust in like mainstream media. And the reason for that is that the media is not actually run by the people. Like we're not telling, letting people actually tell the stories that are happening every day in our respective places. Now, bring it back to crypto and NFTs where I operate, right? Because we don't do the political media, for example, right? That's not down our alleyway, unless it's related to crypto, right? You know, in NFTs and crypto for the last two years, especially when NFTs were born, all you saw mainstream media is how bad NFTs are, how NFTs are dead, how this technology is stupid, how crypto is going to, you have the SEC and a lot of the American, US government, other governments, mind you, that are trying to attack and, and have a war on cryptocurrency at the moment, right? And so I thought it was important for me as someone who has a big voice, because I went from zero to 300,000 followers in a year, right? That year, I explained to you what I did on Twitter. I didn't have Twitter. Then I did that. And I grew fast. Like, what if I, Farouk, someone so passionate about this, and I have passion for NFTs, right? And now my passion has expanded to crypto and blockchain technology because I think it's beautiful, as I've learned, right? And so what if I can empower a bunch of other creators to do so and paint the real picture that is cryptocurrency, Web3, NFTs, crypto, and all that stuff, right? And so decentralized media in a way is how do we manage to build a brand that is decentralized that a lot of people can create on, but also have governance over, which is why we've adopted the DAO model, which is decentralized autonomous organization, which is a rug DAO. So rug radio doesn't have an inc or an LLC or something like that in America and USA. It's a Kimmin foundation because that's one of the only places that allows you to like set up like the right, the proper DAO foundation. A lot of the biggest ones are out there. A lot of the big companies. Where is that located again? Cayman Foundation. Is that part of the Cayman Islands or something? Yeah, is Cayman it? Islands, yeah. Okay, got it. So a lot of people, like for example, Apecoin DAO is Cayman. Like a lot of the bigger, biggest companies in crypto are have a Cayman Foundation, right? And so anyways, you, you set that up in a way that people actually have governance over the ecosystem. So within Rug Radio, we have, you know, tokenomic structure, which allows you to like swap Rug token for Rug DAO tokens and then vote on matters that have impact on the ecosystem as a whole. For example, every six months, I have to present an LRP, which is a long range plan to show the DAO, so members of the Rug Radio ecosystem, what we plan on doing with the money that we that we got selling the NFTs in the first place, but also with the revenue that we generate and, and how we plan on spending it. That doesn't mean you told them a day to day, but it's like employee stipend this much for six months. This is a burn per month. That's how much we want to spend on events, TNE, creators, media, marketing, blah, blah, blah. So we put it all and we make it through. Then the DAO gets together every six months, reviews it for a week. We present to the community and then they vote on it. If they vote yes, 
it passes, then I get the money that I need in order to spend it for six months and I do quarterly reports to the community. If I they vote no, which has not happened yet over the last three votes, it was been 99.99% yes so far, by the way, then I get to do what I need to do for the next six months. And in between, there's a lot of other votes for smaller things, bigger things. But I think a lot of people got the whole DAO model scared of or mistaken because they think it means full anarchy, anybody does what they want, but no. I, it's almost like a vote of confidence that I get every six months. And it's really allowed me to, to build a team. And we don't work for Rug Radio Inc., whatever. We work under the DAO and we work per the DAO framework that's been voted on and built by uh, council when we first launched. So it's, uh, and voted on by the community. So it's interesting. That's what decentralized media is to me. There's not one definition. I'm using Rug Radio to show you how it is, right? It's yeah. the fact that we have the power to determine outcomes together. I love this. And we're going to get back to a little bit more about your DAO and how that operates. So I want to go back in time specifically to the launch of Rug Radio. You you shared how the idea came about, right? How it came up when I think you were in a clubhouse room or something like that, right? Talk to us a little bit about like in your head, you probably went from, okay, this is just a side fun hobby to, okay, this is good. I'm going to try to build something. I'm going to try to build a media company here, right? So tell us a little bit about like when you started materializing a plan, a business plan, like, and was the Rug Radio NFT part of that? Kind of help people understand how you went, how you decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be serious about this. I'm going to try to make this my career. You know, that's a great question. So I had already made a career out of media, right? I was an entrepreneur. I was a solopreneur in a way for years. So I already had done my 10 years in social media. Like 2011 is when I really started building on social platforms. And then like 2021 is when I found out about NFT. So I'd done my 10 years, right, uh, of, of really building something. I'd made, you know, a good amount of money. I'd built a good reputation, tens of millions of followers across social media. I was already doing a billion impressions a month across my channels that I had built with $200 to my name. I went from zero to 10 million followers on Instagram. So I had, I had the credentials there, right? And when I got into the space, I kind of always did my own thing. It was like more of the solo vibes. I would help brands, help artists, help a lot of people, host rooms every day, build the community, build the brand, raise awareness around Web2 and Web3 and NFT. So I was one of those early people that was really like a megaphone to this space and group of people because... I was fascinated about it and passionate. And when it really hit me is I was like, you know what? Like I always wanted to build a proper big media company since forever. That's like a dream of mine since forever. And I really always wanted to, that's when I decided really like it was time for me to level up from like Farouk, the solopreneur, like entrepreneur that can hustle, right? That can make his money, that can go around, that can do this, do that, have vendors run a little mom and pop shop to like Farouk, the, like someone who can build like a billion dollar brand. And I always felt that inside of me. And so that's where I was like, all right, let's go. Not everyone's in the position that they're capable of like, you know, selling 19,000 NFTs and, you know, sell like what millions of dollars of NFTs to build something proper. And really we got our brains together. I got the right people around me and we went at it and, and we built it. Well, tell, tell me, how did you sell 19? What did you do? Like, you know, like it's, it's one thing to say, okay, we're going to launch an NFT. This is how much it's going to be. But my guess is you said you surrounded yourself with people that were pretty wise, right? In the NFT space, maybe wiser than you were at this early stage of your journey. Like what did you do to actually sell those, those NFTs in the beginning? So remember when I told you there was the idea of the, on the Twitter space of what we wanted to build? Yeah. That we, we, we just went to a drawing board for two whole months. And for two months, we pretty much built like a roadmap of like what we wanted to build. So like we built a whole thing and have this infamous thread that's called like WTF is Rug Radio that got like, I don't know, thousands of retweets and likes and everything. And it was like, hey, this is how we're going to build it. This is a structure. There's going to be a DAO. The DAO is going to function that way. Like we built a whole roadmap 
of like what we were going to do for that year, the next year or whatever it is and the different parts like we went like big into it and then we we had like syndicate out that partnered with us on the tech side of it so like we had the cool like we built the nfts we could dope artists create the nfts and whatnot like we really went at it like every single day built a structure a plan and everything and we presented to the community and then people bought the nfts like it was like it wasn't just like hey let's do this thing. Let's sell 20,000 NFTs. And then let's see what happens next. It was like, Hey, this is what we're going to do. And as we went, we've been building the brand and the company of rug radio. So like when we launched in January 11th, 2021, that's when the work actually started. Right. Cause we sold the NFTs. Now what? Like you have all this money, you, you better like do something out of it. Right. Did you feel like because you had put in your chops, you've done your jab, 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 right. To use Gary V's analogy, right. You've provided so much value over the many, many months and every, every day that when you actually were able to say, Hey, here's how you can support me in the vision. Do you feel like people rallied around you because it was Farouk or do you feel like there's something more to it than that? You know, it was for sure. The fact that I had built quite an, a, a brand already in the space and I had made direct connections and people were trusting it. And to this date, like a lot of the times, you know, I had to like, I still have to be quite active and engaged for Rogue Radio to be successful and I have to be in the weeds and like people want to work with Farouk, right? Like I'm talking about the Farouk brand and whatnot, but the beautiful thing about decentralization side, it's hard to achieve right away, but we at Rogue Radio believe in progressive decentralization. And I told the community that it would take five years. So we're just 18 months in as of this month and it's going faster than I thought. I thought it would take five years. I have a feeling it may take two to three only where we don't have a single point of failure that is me. Right. You don't want Rug Radio to be eroded or hurt or whatnot. You want Rug Radio to, to exist and grow beyond me. Right. And that's the beautiful thing that's been happening uh, these past few months, which I love. But yeah, definitely it was heavily led by me at first, Michael. And it's important to have that figure, I believe. But as we go and as we grow, I'm trying to have it less and less and less about me so that one day you're five years in, I can look at it, be just another network participant of Rug Radio and like, damn. Well, I'm very confident you can pull that off because I'm 14 years into my journey at Social Media Examiner. And I know for a fact, it's not just all about me anymore. That's got to be what it is. If you want to build a brand, it's got to be about lots of people. Now, one of the things that I think you did that people my generation are going to find more challenging to do is to give so much control over to a DAO, right? Because, you know, I'm probably your parents' age, right? And the way I learned business was, hey, you come up with an idea, you own the thing, and maybe you give away equity to uh, investors. But what's fascinating about what you've done and what so many other DAO folks have done that have been on the show is that there is a level of decision-making and control that is given over to the owners and investors in the NFT community. So tell us a little bit about how you, if at all you struggle with this, maybe your generation doesn't have as big of a struggle with this as maybe mine does, but how did you wrap your head around your big vision to grow a billion dollar media company and yet still having to control live in the hands of the Dow? So this is a very good question. And this is, and saying that there's no struggle would be a lie. Like there's a lot of hurdles, I think. And the reason being that there's no model that has worked yet because we are too early, simply speaking. It's not because nobody's smart enough to do it. A lot of people are trying. They're geniuses. I've met the most smartest people in the space, but it's just tough, right? And for reasons that you just said, 
honestly, Michael, like there's so many days I woke up and I was like, damn, you're crazy, bro. Because <laughs> I'm seeing like, I'll see another media company like raise like $20 million at a $100 million Val or like sell for like, I don't know how much. Like even if you're like at Barstool Sports to Penn, Penn back then or like the Web2 Media Giants. And I know this stuff because I've been in the weeds and I know all the VCs, they're all the homies, right? And so we have friends, whether they're VCs or investors or, or founders, like I'm a founder, so I get to be friends with founders. So I mingle with the, you get to see what's happening around you. And I'm like, what the hell? Like some friends of mine think I'm crazy because it's like, yo, why don't you just go the route of like building this thing? You got this thing in you. It's special. You can build something, sell it, right? Make a hundred mil, right? I don't know. Like in the way of me, I was like, that's boring because that means I don't believe in the thing in the first place. In my opinion, that's not an insult to anyone. It's just me. That's how I feel. So it's like, I got to like build this and like, I don't know. I, I'm not building to sell. <laughs> I'm building to, this is my legacy on chain. But, and I fully agree with that, but, you know, you started with the vision of a DAO, right? Is it because you saw something that maybe other entrepreneurs don't see? If so, what did you see? I see a road that is much slower to success, but can be magnitudes of order bigger than the regular route. Meaning that when you put that network effect that I was talking to you about at the beginning of the podcast, and if you use progressive decentralization to build this network effect within people, you can build a brand that is on a thousand times bigger than regular. I think that building in the forms of a DAO is like building a company on steroids. Like I have access to so much brain power thanks to the people that support me and us at Rug Radio. Like whether it's the holders that own hundreds of rugs that are like some of the biggest hedge fund guys you'll find in the UK, the biggest banks in the world, or like Someone who just sold a business that lives in California that wants to believe in other young entrepreneurs and loves the tech and wants to believe in decentralized business and media because they know it's necessary. Or the big funds like Consensus Mesh, founded by Joe Lubin, who Joe Lubin is the founder of Ethereum, mind you, right? One of the co-founders of Ethereum, who founded Consensus, the first Web3 company that tells me that he does think that Rug Radio could have what it takes to become the future of decentralized media and that they bought 207 Rug Radio NFTs for their fund to hold and to help us with the decentralized aspect of in the DAO, right? So I, I don't think I have access to so much or mind you, the one rug radio NFT holder that has one rug or five rugs or 10 rugs or NFT that wants to help, that wants to help build and be in the weeds with us. I don't think I'd have that with the regular process. I think what makes rug radio special is that I'm trying to do it differently or else I'd just be another media company, which is fine. I was, I, we work with all of them. And we, by the way, we collab with all the media companies in the space. Like all of them at least want to collab. We work with them. And so I think like the DAO model is much bigger. You just have to be okay with maybe doing this for 10 years straight instead of three, four, five. And you know why? I, 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 I've been doing this. This is my 13th year. So I have no problem doing this. Like, you know, <laughs> as I've spoken to so many people that have struggled, you know, their way through wrapping their head around what does a DAO make possible, right? One of the things that I think is fascinating is that the concept of a DAO is you've got token holders, right? And they're either holding NFTs or some other kind of token. And because they're holding these, this is, while not a security, kind of has the promises of upside, right? So by people holding these NFTs, they feel like they have invested in you and in your company and in this case, I'm talking to Farouk or anyone else who's listening, right? And because they made that investment, they want that investment to increase in value. So in that regard, it's not unlike a venture capitalist or an angel investor coming in, right? And saying, hey, 
I want you to be successful. I've invested a little bit in. So that part is is kind of, it shares in common. And that part makes logical sense to me. The part that I think a lot of people struggle with is how in the world do you do your voting and how do you decide who has power and does Farouk have the ability to veto these kind of things? That's the stuff that I think a lot of entrepreneurs are probably wrestling with. You know, what do you do when you have a organized mutiny on your hands? You know? Yeah. I mean, look, it's not happened yet. So I don't know exactly what happens in that last example. However, it's by setting up the right structure. So I'll take it back maybe to explain the structure of it, the core of it, yeah. the DAO, is when we launched the DAO, which it took about six months from January 20, uh, 11th, 2020. So it takes a long time, right? We had a 33-member Rug DAO council, right? People like Keith Grossman were on it, like, you know, who was a former CEO and president of Time at the time, and now he's president of Moonpay. You know, people like John Legere, CEO of T-Mobile, was on the council, but also from the... Like I said, some of the biggest Web3 founders. How did you decide who gets on that council? There was an application process. 250 people applied. So John Ah. Legere and Keith Grossman applied. Okay, cool. Yeah, dude. Like crazy. What does the council actually do? So here's what the council did. At the time, that first 33-member council separated themselves in seven groups. Those seven groups then worked on different frameworks. The tokenomic framework, the partnership framework, so how we do our partnerships as a down stuff, the, the, what is it, treasury framework, creator framework, and then it was the voting framework and one or two other ones. Yeah, maybe marketing. Yeah. And so basically what that did is that it set up framework for how proposals would go through the DAO for them to even be able to be, you know, thing or not, accepted or not. So basically once that 33 member council did that work, the community got to vote on approving or disapproving those frameworks, right? And so once those frameworks went through, the community voted for them. We set up a council that has been changing every six months. That's just like six or seven people, right? Because you don't need 33 people anymore. And that this is like the how the ecosystem functions, right? Like if you want to do that, it said, like it's in the framework that it said, hey, it's a core team framework. The core team has to put an LRP, which is a long-range plan every six months to get voted on. Like this is not rules that I put out there, Michael. It's rules that a group of very smart individuals guided and helped by the core team as well. So we helped in that process. It was a lot of work, right? As a team. This is what we build and this is how it works. For example, you want to partner with Rug Radio, one of the shows right now, there's a framework for partnerships that says 15% of the revenue that we get a, a creator goes into, into the DAO, right? A creator that's on the Rug Radio, if he gets a partnership, 50% goes on the DAO. But if Rug Radio gets the partnership, there's a 10% additional on top of that. So 25% goes into the DAO, right? And then the creator gets paid, obviously with a bigger cut and share going towards the, 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 the creator. So it's stuff like that, right? That allows us to like navigate and operate within lines. You know what I mean when I say it's not total crazy? Yeah. I mean, I, I love this. So originally you got this council of 33 together, right? And were they incentivized in any way? Did they get more tokens as a result of the work that they put in? Yeah, it was tokens and whatnot, but like they were just also people that are like down to like help. Like a lot of people, like when Rugby came out, like I got a lot of support from a lot of people that really believed in like in the project and the process. And I still do to this date. So super lucky, honestly. But of course, like I had built a crazy network for last year and something. Wrong. How does one become a member of the DAO? Become a member of the DAO is very easy now. Like you just have to own our NFTs. And what our NFTs do, the Rugby Genesis NFT, it yields token. So we have a two token ecosystem. So we have the Rug token and Rug DAO token. And so you yield Rug token getting the the Genesis NFT, that's the main utility of it. And then you swap 1800 rug for run DAO token. And from the moment you have one DAO token and up, you're part of the DAO and you can vote. Let's talk about those tokenomics a little bit. So so it's the original Genesis NFT, rug radio NFT, that is the one that gives you the, the ability to earn tokens. And is it based on a, a activity or days or how does that work exactly? Well, how it works at the moment is that you get 
if you have a standard Genesis NFT, you get five tokens per day that you have to claim, of course. If you have a scarce NFT, you get seven tokens per day. If you have a rare NFT, you get 11 tokens per day and they're emitted through the rug bank. And so basically you get tokens, then you have to claim them for obvious reasons. Like you have to go and claim them yourself. These are utility tokens, presumably, right? There isn't an exchange for these tokens, right? No. So we can for obvious reasons, like yeah. legal reasons. So we don't partake genuinely in any of that. Thankfully, like I also have a great legal, you know, legal team, uh, both in the Cayman Islands and out here in America. So it's, uh, we can't for obvious reasons partake in anything that has to do with like exchange of the token and whatnot. How do you communicate to the people that are in the DAO? Because that's obviously a challenge in Web3, right? Because a lot of... It's on Discord at the moment. Okay. Discord and we do uh, town halls on Twitter and YouTube and whatnot. So when these plans, these long range plans you were talking about come up for review every six months, you have this smaller council now of like six people or nine people or whatever you said. And are those people the ones that are like coming up with the plan and then the DAO has to vote a majority on it? Is that Or how does that work? So the long range plan is something the core team has to do. So it's something I work on with my co-CEO, our advisors and the team, and we present it to the community. But is the DAO involved with that at all or no? The DAO is involved in the sense that they get to vote on it. Okay. That's their involvement. So what happens if for whatever reason they don't like the plan? Like, I mean, you must have contingencies for this, right? It's never happened yet that the majority has voted no, but if they don't like the plan, I mean, we go back to cooking up a new plan, <laughs> you know, until they say yes. Like there was one instance where they rejected a vote. It was for a council thing and they rejected it. And then they told us why. And then we just worked on it and represented it. You know, it's a, I just like, the thing is like, that's the difference. See for young, for an entrepreneur, it's like in a private company, you have a plan, you do it. Nobody's telling you not to do it. They're not allowed to. It's like, suck it up, right? That's what's going to happen. And a DAO model, I present to the people, but guess what? Like, I love it. I love the feedback. I think it's wise. You know, I have, I have a bunch of people that work for me and I have a leadership team and I try to get unanimous approval from them before I make decisions because I want them to be part of the decision and we do present it to the company. And if there's not good feedback, then we reconsider those decisions. So in that regard, that's done just with our staff. But What's fascinating with what you're doing is you're doing with the holders of the community, It's crazy, which is really cool, but that means they're part of it. Right. And they're going to get behind it, which is really fascinating. I want to get to this network that you're building. Right. So you have alluded to it a little bit that you've got all these different shows and all these different creators in the rug radio network are all the shows related to web three so at the moment most of them if not all of them are but we're expanding heavily outside so i'm we're web three native media ecosystem at rug radio and so of course like you have to have a grasp on the ecosystem itself no matter how much it shrunk over time because of the bear market i don't care because i know the bull market comes around nfts are cool again here we go. Everybody's looking at that, right? So I'm not worried per se. So how are you building this network? Tell us a little bit about what your vision is here. Yeah. So we, so when I say we have all these creators, it's like we have different shows, right? For my show, it's one of the anchor shows at GM Web3 with OSF and Mando that we host Monday to Friday every morning. It's like a Good Morning America type show for an hour and a half to like Wrecked Radio, which is a show hosted once a week where they have a DJ and come on like some of the biggest poker players in the world, some of the biggest gamblers in the world, some biggest like create like successful ones, right? That come and talk about the risks that they've taken to get to where they are or to, you know, supporting creators like Thread Guy or Leap or that, you know, Thread Guy is like up and coming, like dope NFT creator that hosts the show and trying to help him out with some partnerships or structure or like send him out to different events to cover them or Michaela who'd like to do videos and she's mostly based in, in the UAE. Well, you know, I have a question because Thread Guy, as we're recording this, has gotten ridiculous amount of press in a good way because of some of the stuff that he was doing. And at what point does the creator 
own what they're doing versus Rug Radio. Let's talk about that a little bit, you know? So this is the beautiful part. We own nothing from the creator. Rug Radio doesn't want it. Nothing. And so when I got really big, I've been creating my whole life. When I got really big on, Insta- on, on, sorry, on, on Twitter early, in the early space, all the agencies came to me to try and sign me up for partnerships, for this, that, all of them, right? Which is cool, right? Especially 20 something years old, you know, crypto, whatever. I'm like, wow, this is fire, right? Go to LA and all this thing. But realize I have what they want because they want access to this Web3 native community and everything, not the other way around. And you can work with all of them. And that's not a knock on, on all of the agencies. I have a lot of friends at them and they're so good at what they do, right? But there's something that doesn't sit right with ownership of your IP being in someone else's hands in Web3 and crypto. So we don't want anything. As a matter of fact, like, we're a creator first company and a real creator first company. Like we don't like, I don't care to own a video or an IP or something that the creator creates. We've created Rug Radio in a way that instead of being platform first, creator second and consumer last, you have the consumer that becomes a participant of the network. You have creators, which is the most important people in the entire ecosystem. They're the teachers or the educators, right? In society, the most important people are teachers. Right. And that's not funny enough that they're the most underpaid creators on social platforms are the most important. They, they tie it all up together. Would you be on TikTok if there wasn't for all these things or on Instagram or on this? No, you know, they're so important, but they get no value because the, 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 the Zuckerbergs that become trillionaires. Well, rightfully so, because they found it dope things, but at least creators should get something out of it. Right. And then you have uh, the platform, but we've built in a way. So if a creator brings gets big and we help we support the creators with tools with people with the team with the framework right and then he brings the creator he or she brings value right that value goes back to the DAO that 15% that 25% goes back to the DAO then the DAO continues to bring that value back into the hands of the participants right through different utilities through the different activities through our token through DAO governance and then they keep bringing that value back to the creator it's a never-ending spiral loop craziness of like network effect between all of these things, the participant and the network, the network and the creator, the creator and the participant and whatnot, right? And so this is the way Rug Radio is built. And so they don't own like any IP from Farouk or from Mando OSF, Keyboard Monkey or Threadguy or Michaela or this or that. You know, as a matter of fact, like that's why creators want to work with Rug Radio, right? Because all Rug Radio is, is, is a tech company that powers media and that, you know, they're the, the different IPs are all the creators on the platform, but you don't need to, to own. What, what do you want to say to someone that says, well, you know, so-and-so got big because of Rug Radio, and then they went off and did their own thing. I mean, because I'm sure that's going to happen, and it happens with traditional media. Is that a concern? But the thing is, this happened, Web 2, Web 1, Web 3, whatever you want. Right, like, right. I, it's bound to happen for sure. So, so be it. <laughs> like, the, you know, there's so many, like, I'm at a stage where, like, there, I understand, like, what we're building and I'm going to build a brand strong enough that people won't think like that. And if they think like that, then it's their loss and it's on them. And so be it. If somebody wants to, what's the bar to become a creator as part of your network? Because obviously you've got a lot and you're going to have a lot more as you continue to grow. You go to have thousands, right? Essentially what, which one day is in the decentralized matter. So we don't have a, a, like a say on it right now. We're like slow dripping it. So we had like about 80 at peak or something. And we've kind of like handpicked them over five tiers. We're in a transition phase as we speak to change a bit of the creator tiers, but how it worked until like most recently is like five tiers, one, two, three, four, five, five being like the top tier. I'm a tier five, for example. Right. And then you have tier one, which is the hobbyist. So we're going to change things out where like you have a hobbyist creators that can join Rug Radio through the creator portal that we launched. They can apply, they get accepted, yada, yada, yada. They start, right? They don't get much support. They just do their thing. 
once we see they're consistent enough, they can pass this queue of like tests or whatnot to get into the next creator tier, which is like an intermediate, like hobbyist, like for fun. Like, so, and then you have the professional creator, which we support more. And we have different levels of support that we give out to creators. If you're just a basic creator that does his own thing here and there, you get a rug token, you know, you get to say you're part of our creator network and it's good. Second tier, maybe you get production support or some more tools. Last tier is like, okay, like some creators, like we actually pay, like we have a budget for them, like to pay in USDC, ETH, whatever they want. And then we help them more on the partnerships. Like I have a partnership team right now. Like my partnership teams at Rug Radio, like covers like more creators than anybody thinks. Because a lot of them we don't talk, talk about in public, but we really have, have built like a great partnership funnel network to help support those creators. Because it's just like an artist, like what? You're supposed to be your agent, your manager, you're this, you're that. But the thing is, I always found it too like, intense in web two, whereas the way I think about it, it is a creator founded media brand, right? So I'm a creator. I started off as a creator. So I think, uh, I think this is how it helps. So this is how it is to become a Rodrigo creator right now. There's applications. We go through them often. We, we try to bring on three to five at a time slowly, right? So it's a slow drip right now, I'd say Michael, but we're going to build hopefully systems to help us like speed that up. But for now, rather, you know, not grow too fast. Cause I tried it at first. I opened the floodgates, a lot of creators. Then a lot of the retention's low or can't cater to them and they're not happy. And there are some creators I'm sure that at some point were not happy or it felt like I didn't show enough love or this, but it's hard because I'm a creator myself too. So putting content out there every day. So slow dripping it right now, compartmentalizing it, building groups, you know, really like cherishing that and building more mindfully is what is helping us at the moment. Farouk, first of all, congratulations on what you're building. You're a very impressive entrepreneur. And I know that some people listening might want to reach out to you. So what's your preferred social? And then if they want to learn more about Rug Radio, where do you want to send them? Yeah, I mean, my preferred social on any platform is Farouk. So F-A-R-O-K-H. So I'm mostly on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram lightly, but I'm at Farouk everywhere. And then for Rug Radio, it's at Rug Radio on Twitter mostly. We're on YouTube where we broadcast every single day, Monday to Friday, the live shows, shorts, whatnot. We're on Instagram as Rug Radio Official. But usually if you go to rug.fm is like our hub, like is where you'll find everything. Baroque, founder of Rug Radio. Thank you so much for coming on the show and really answering all my questions and helping us wrap our head around what decentralized media really means. You are amazing. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate you. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash W86. And if you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. And which you let your friends know about this show, I'm at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Web3 Business Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I hope you make the best out of your day and may Web3 continue to change your world. The Web3 Business Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. The information provided in the Web3 Business Podcast is provided solely for educational purposes. Do not treat what you hear as investment, trading, or financial advice. Do your own research. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.